This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. On air, streaming and on podcast. This is Gay News Week. News and current affairs from a bent perspective. You're listening to Gay News Week. Gay News Week. Gay News Week. Gay News Week. On Joy 94.9. Good evening and welcome to Gay News Week on Joy 94.9. My name's Matt Thompson. I'm Katie Larson. And I'm Geoffrey Devine. We're bringing you the latest news and current affairs impacting the GLBTI community over the next hour on tonight's show. Yeah, first off tonight, we're going to be talking about a short film called In My Shoes, which explores issues around multicultural youth who are also LGBTIQ. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a really good project. Um, We're going to be talking about same-sex literary speed dating. Mm -hmm. And if you want to know all about that, we have a fantastic... (laughs) interview coming up with Jess Maguire, who is the host of the night. Mm, Absolutely wonderful. And of course, we'll be taking a look at some of the news stories, making news around the country and around the world with our National and International Affairs Roundup. Throughout the show, we want to hear what you're thinking, so make sure you get in touch. Share your thoughts. SMS 0427 Joy 949 Or tweet at Gay Newsweek Joy This is Gay Newsweek on Australia's only GLBTI radio station Joy 94.9 Yes, uh, first up tonight though we're going to uh, take a look at a bit of a quirky story that's come out of the US. Nielsen conducted a, uh, a survey of the LGBT community over there and they've uh, revealed that uh, gay and lesbian men and women uh, earn more than their heterosexual counterparts along with a few other quirky details. Yeah, it certainly is a little bit quirky. Apparently we <laughs> earn 25% more income, oh, so the story finds out. Uh, it's, it's interesting. It's certainly not applying to me. I want my 25%. <laughs> my 25%? Bring it on. I'm a student. I earn nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe the statistic doesn't quite apply to everybody. Um, but it was also about how we spent the money that mm. uh, was a particular part in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, one detail Apparently, we're more likely to buy on the spur of the moment. Uh, that would really uh, show and reflect my latest onesie purchase. Um, and that oh, was yes. definitely on the spur. But although, great purchase, may I say. Onesies, for the win. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've, seen, I've seen the picture of you in your onesie. And I have to say, great purchase. Thank you. Spur of the moment or not, <laughs> everyone needs an animal print onesie. It's a tiger, for the record, by the way. Go tigers. Anyway, uh, yes, look, interesting... Lee, mm-hmm. <laughs> female same-sex coupled households. The top five items. You ready for this? Uh, cottage che- cheese slash <laughs> sour cream. Cottage cheese. <laughs> okay. Never mind. Pet care. I-, I would. Yeah, I would support that. Butter slash margarine. I'm more partial to butter. Coffee and cat food. Interestingly <laughs> listed as separate to pet care. Well, yeah. You know. I know, well, you know, lots of cats are owned by. Lesbians, I guess, is what that's saying. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that is the insinuation. It's, it's there. a. No, I'm not even going to say. I was going to go somewhere really bad with that, oh, but I'm see now where you might not be going. going. So, but what do we think? Just around the table is mm-hmm. the most highly purchased item for gay men. 
Anybody? <laughs> well, I would know the answer, but... Uh, it happens to be liquor, beer and wine. Oh, well, I'm not surprised. So... <laughs> also, I like this one, fresheners and deodorizers. Mm. We like air fresheners, apparently. Ref- ref- I can't say that word. <laughs> Refrigerated. Refrigerated, yes. Re- I can't, meal starters. Because mm-hmm. mm. we're lazy. Yeah. And men's toiletries and coffee. <laughs> Everyone's spending a lot on coffee. What's that all about? Mm. <laughs> We should get together and have a night of wine and sour cream. And coffee. <laughs> and coffee. And air fresheners. Coffee-flavoured sour cream. Look, I think oh. what we can uh, take from this is, you know, the uh, luring of the pink dollar, essentially. <laughs> Let's talk about how we can appeal to the, the gays and lesbians and what and they buy. It's just imagine completely what ridiculous. It, just imagine what it would be like if we had gay marriage, if we had same-sex <laughs> marriage, and we were able to buy presents for one another and spend money on huge receptions. Yeah. This, yes, this where all would the cats attend. And dogs. Yes. That indeed. could be very messy. I think one of the things that a little more seriously comes out of this for me mm. is that people, when they get into those slightly older groups within the LGBT community, obviously move into a stage of productivity and some level of um, increased happiness. Mm. Um and they're earning good money doing reasonable jobs as a rule. So I think there's a good news story, given all of the time we spend talking about uh, youth and depression and yeah. anxiety and the like. I think it's saying <laughs> that there's somewhere that you move beyond. Into total <laughs> domesticity. Yeah, you can earn 25% more. Come on, what's not to look forward to for? It gets better. <sighs> yeah, look, I find this a little bit depressing, this story. Really? Yeah. Why? Why? Just because it's a you bit You don't like... want to spend money on your dog? Well, I, I, I don't. I do spend money on my dog, happily. Uh, but, you know, I'm not in the 25% earning more. Mm. I don't know. It's just a bit like um, all marketing-like and, you know, what are the people... But I don't know. It's just so cliche and labelling and... I just I just find things like this a bit rubbish. I would have disregarded the story if it weren't for the fact that it was done by Nielsen, mm. who are, in fact, an entirely reputable polling agency. <laughs> so if I looked at this in a different format, I would have said, uh, I wonder about the rigour of the statistical method that they've used to come up with the answers to these questions. <laughs> Only but, you. Only you. <laughs> but, yeah, at the same time, they've actually gone to a lot of effort with this one. Uh, so this here, the LGBT consumer, is a very attractive shopping base, which should be paid attention to. I mean, this is just me being kind of... At- anti, you know, consumerism and uh, marketing mm, and advertising. This is where this is, you know. The truth comes out here. Yeah. That, that's what you really think about that's this. That's what I, I think. It's rubbish. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's a great thing. I think it's good to actually know that uh, there isn't necessarily a pink ceiling, if you like, blocking <laughs> progression of people into earning high incomes. Or maybe there still is and it's separate to this. I, I would be interested to see the proportion of the higher earning that is gay men versus lesbians. Okay. What's your hypothesis? What do you think going on? I suspect that it is primarily gay men who are earning more in line with men versus women on pay anyway, mm. but also the fact that generally speaking, and this is a general speaking, I don't I don't know if I've got any facts to back this up. Probably don't. Men are, the gay men are probably more attracted to the high earning um yeah. High-earning employment. So you're saying uh, gay men just like money. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> they have to earn lots of money to buy those clothes. And the refrigerated meals. The refriger- we're, we're time-poor people. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, Opposed to me, who spent most of the day sleeping yesterday. <laughs> Very time-poor. You're a student. Exactly. <laughs> All right. I think we've about exhausted that yep. one. We've run that up the flagpole. <laughs> if we li- have. If you'd like to join in the conversation, send us a tweet at Gay Newsweek Joy. What do you spend the most money on? 
I want to hear from you. Or you can also send us a text 0427 JOY 949. This is Gay News Week with Katie, Jeffrey, and Matt. News, views, interviews and discussion all from a GLBTI point of view. This is Gay News Week on JOY 94.9. Yes, it's Gay News Week with Katie, Jeffrey, and Matt this evening. Yes, that's right. And In My Shoes is a short film exploring the issues affecting multicultural LGBTIQ young people. It is part of a project led by the Centre for Multicultural Youth and will be launched tomorrow night here in Melbourne. We're joined in the studio by the project officer from the Centre of Multicultural Youth, Johanna Jury. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. So it's a really interesting project and is part of the Animate Change project. Can you tell us a little bit about what the Animate Change project is? Oh, well, the Animate Change started with a study called Teaching Diversity, which we did last year, which is basically a consultation with GLBTIQ multicultural young people. And from that study, we found out that in particular, GLBTIQ multicultural young people, if we want to involve them, we have to involve them through arts project. Mm-hmm. So Animate Change um, came to us and we got funding from Hay Grant, which is really good. And then um, we've been working in the Animate Change for three months and we've got 14 participants. Um, it's really good to have those young people, especially from the multicultural background that we found out there are not a lot of support for them, mm. especially because of cultural reason. Mm. That not only that coming out for them is different, mm. uh, the community themselves sometimes don't realize that they've got GLPTRQ young people. On that issue, what kind of issues do they face though? Do, do, are they rejected by their family, or what, what kind of issues are they really facing when when they come out? I guess for themselves, um, that I found out is for them to even realize that. Mm what kind of sexuality that they want to kind of like what sexuality that they have Mm. um, is already difficult Mm. because in those multicultural community they're always expected that they have to get married they have to have children and there is no such thing as GLBTIQ so for them to even realise that they they are GLBTIQ Mm. is already difficult Mm. yet to come out how do you, where do the young people that are working on the project and that you engage with through the project, where do they come from and how do they find um, your organisation and get involved? Um, they come from different areas, from the South and the West. Um, we basically cover almost the area, which is really good because mm-hmm. I thought it's going to be difficult to find multicultural GLBTQ that want to actively participate. Mm. Uh but it's good to have them and some of them found um, from Rainbow Networks mm-hmm. and then from Facebook from GLBTIQ support group. So obviously uh, they access those Facebook, but it seems that they just don't participate in a mainstream uh, GLBTIQ support group. In terms of a cross-section of young people, what countries are they from? Where are their origins and... Um, were there any particular challenges with involving them other than actually identifying them? Were they scared to participate or were there reservations? Um, most of them, I would say more than 50% come from China and then Malaysia, um, Croatia, um, there is Italian background young people and then 
Vietnam is also quite a large number. And when you're talking about afraid, there was actually one young person that came. Um, before he came, he sent me email probably five times, mm. stating whether it's safe or not. Mm. Wow, and okay. even on the first meeting, like he didn't say any word at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Afraid that when he made comment, um, it's gonna kind of result on their community. So see, see, some of these student, uh, some of these um, young people actually are yet to come out to their families. Is this project kind of a a, a beginning of a process for coming out for these people? Are, are their parents likely to see it? Where where is it being distributed and stuff? Oh well, uh, yeah, some of them hasn't come out mm-hmm. and then on the project we also provide uh, sexual health training and also coming out training just to see what kind of stages that they want to go and whether they want to do it or not mm-hmm. like we can't force them but it's obviously good to see that discussion mm-hmm. and then some of their parents uh, don't know that they've been involved in the project but yeah um, the medium that you've gone through of uh doing an animation can you explain the reason why animation was a good way forward for telling the story well for us uh, we chose animation because we were gonna do photography but then it's probably a bit difficult with those who hasn't come out mm-hmm. and by doing animation we're thinking that we probably reach um broader community and especially for multicultural community that um by moving image, it's easier to understand instead of uh, probably arts that is a bit difficult to understand or a movie where you can't really uh, understand the language, especially when it's fast. So with animation, at least they can see and read um, what the conversation in it. And it's quite slow animation. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we can reach a different multicultural community that is just newly arrived and um, their English probably is not um, yet up to the up to level. Yeah. So the young people involved in the project, there are about 14. That's mm-hmm. right, isn't yeah. it? So what, were, what was actually their role in developing the project? Did they do the whole thing or were they engaged in a consultation role and then it was developed by an artist or how did the actual film come together? So all of them are engaged on the storyboard so Mm -hmm. they are the one who decide all the story and then we engage with an animator so the animator is the one who kind of make the animation but the young people it's uh, themselves they are the one who decide what kind of picture they want they even describe um, because we've got African on on the story it's about African family Mm -hmm. they describe what kind of African men that they want to do like they don't want African gay men that looks feminine because Mm -hmm. there is no African gay men that is feminine Mm -hmm. all African gay men are still masculine and they look masculine Mm -hmm. Um, so they decide those things and then they also decide what kind of uh, race that will be involved so we basically try to put um Chinese background and different race and also mainstream. Mm. Uh, members, uh, it's, it's a GLBTI project. Have you got members who are from the diverse range of that GLBTI? Is it more than just gay and lesbian people? Have you got transgender participants? Yeah, and stuff? we've got transgender participants. So Excellent. we've got quite a lot of mix, which is for me is really fortunate to mm. work with those young people because we thought that it's going to be a bit difficult to get such kind of participants, but we've got quite a good mix. 
What kind of changes did you see in the young people over the course of doing the project? So from the position of, say, one of the young people not really wanting to even speak um, or even was so concerned about it being whether it was a safe place or not um, to completing the project and now obviously moving towards the launch tomorrow night. Have you seen a lot of change and growth yes. and confidence? Um, and lots of change and growth of confidence, that's right. Um, they basically are more open to discussion now and it is good and because um, participating in this project, they're also more open to other support group and they can access and they know where to go when they need some help. So part of your process was uh, making sure throughout the project that they were informed about where to seek support um, outside their Mm -hmm. communities so that they were... Because some of them, like I said, they they know Facebook and Mm. they do like some pages on the GLPTIQ support group, but they never actually come and access the support. Mm. And then being in the project, they know that by accessing the support they get more information and it's really good for them because they've got support from the community as well. Given that um, the young people involved are are minorities on two levels both in terms of their sexual identity and also their um, their race or their Mm -hmm. cultural background, Mm -hmm. did they talk about or did you talk about with them um, how that dynamic plays out and what different ways I guess discrimination or acceptance form a part of their lives both from the perspective of their sexuality but also from a cultural perspective and how you you integrate that? I guess what they want to see is more discussion that... um Despite of their sexuality and their cultural background, they don't want any discrimination. Mm. Uh, part of the animation, they actually look at family who came here and faced discrimination. And then after that, that family uh. discriminate against the GLBTIQ yeah. people. Mm. So they want to kind of show to the community that you did face the discrimination and now you try to discriminate against us. So they want to open a discussion that um, despite sexuality and cultural background, everyone is different. Mm. But they also want to say that um, coming out is not a set, that from multicultural background, it's probably way different. Mm. It's not like um, they're parents probably will accept them but they wouldn't just raise the flag outside the house does that make sense yeah Yeah. totally yeah so it'll be a very quiet type of acceptance and you know acceptance comes in all different forms um i think one of the things for me out of this is that uh the idea that the families obviously know and have experienced discrimination and it may not occur to them that that is what they're doing to their family member within yes so that's what we want to raise kind of awareness on that, that um, they face discrimination and now they're kind of discriminating against other. And we try to kind of raise awareness that um, discrimination is not only discrimination based on your race, but it can be also based on your sexuality. Yeah, totally. Um, now, speaking of awareness, they've made this short animation, In My Shoes is what it's called, and that's being distributed through the Safe Schools Coalition. Does that mean it's going to be shown in high schools, in primary schools, in, in schools in general, or where will this resource be available? Well, the resource will be available in YouTube, mm-hmm. and then it's going to be available in the MY website as well, and we're trying to distribute it through Rainbow Networks Great. and Safe Schools school coalition so hopefully for those school who run um, I think um, 
safe school coalition run trainings at school, mm-hmm. um, those schools can use the animation, especially if they run the training um, in a very in a pocketed area where there are lots of uh, multicultural people. Mm. It's uh, it's also important to note that it's going to be available on YouTube. Um, yes, it so, is. So that's obviously a very accessible medium mm. for yes. young people, and it's, it's something that they can access, and they don't have to be in a public space. It's not something on TV where their parents might see it. Yes, that they can look it on the computer. No. Um, so we we will provide um postcard on the lounge mm. that we will gonna distribute to people, then mm. they can look at the link as well there. Wonderful. Um, so the film launches tomorrow night at 5pm at the Multicultural Hub. Yes, um, in Purple Room. Purple Room. And can anyone come along to that? Yes. Cool. And what's next for the Animate Change project? Will there be future um, multimedia projects as part of that? Well, I guess uh, we're just trying to expose this animation as much as possible and see how it goes from mm-hmm. there. And uh, what's next on the agenda for the Centre for Multicultural Youth? Because I gather looking at your site that you deal with a lot of uh, issues, not just GLBTI youth. What's next for the Well, we've got lots of uh, projects for, for young people and young people in particular, multicultural young people, if they want to participate in some of our projects, they can check out our website, which is www.cmy.net.au. Uh, we've got different uh, projects and we've got different projects based on uh, different areas like in Dandenong and in Sunshine and in Ballarat as well. Mm. Johanna from the Centre for Multicultural Youth, thank you so much for coming into Gay Newsweek and explaining this. Thank you. It's Katie, Jeffrey, and Matt with you this evening. News, views, interviews, and discussion, all from a GLBTI point of view. This is Gay News Week on Joy 94.9. It's Katie, Jeffrey, and Matt with you this evening. It's time to lighten things up a little bit here on Gay News Week. Now, the Wheelers Centre is putting on a same sex speed dating event on Wednesday, the 17th of July. Joining us to shed some light is the MC of the event, broadcaster and writer Jess McGuire. Jess, thanks for joining us on Gay News Week. Absolute pleasure. Now, Jess, it's It's not just any old same-sex speed dating event. It's got a bit of a literary spin, this one. Uh, And and I assume that's because of the Wheeler Centre's influence. What can we expect from this event? Oh, yes, the Wheeler Centre are always hammering home their book agenda. So this is another (laughs) one of those events where they're they're doing that. Uh, What can you expect from this event? Well... I, I hosted the uh, the the straighty 180, we'll call it, <laughs> edition of this about a month and a bit ago. Um, and what you can expect is a lot of people sweating over which books to bring mm. which, to, to uh, best represent them. Oh, you bring and, books? Well, yes. This is I, I, When we had a literary speed dating and people didn't bring books last time, I thought, are you fools? But maybe <laughs> we didn't make it clear. So bring a book because it's going to be the conversation starter. Uh. And what you would do is... Is, and you can choose your reason for having a book, but say, I wouldn't bring the game, but I don't think anyone going to a gay, <laughs> gay dating night would bring a copy of the game. That's a terrible book. But perhaps, you know, ladies might choose their favourite Sarah Waters novel. Yes. I don't know. Or is yeah. that a bit predictable? I worry. I wonder with something like this if there's a lot of room for kind of the judgement of your literary interests. 
Yes, well, it, it could be. And so, like, last time, because I had to step in during the last literary speed dating night that we did, and um, a guy had a real go at me for not knowing enough. I think it was Ian Rankin or something like <laughs> oh. that. Very, cond- very condescending, I thought. You're not going to pick up with that attitude, mate. No. But, but, yeah, so you pick a book that you, maybe it's just one that's going to spark conversation, one that best represents your interests, one that's funny. Someone that forgot their book last time drew a sketch of the cover from memory on a piece of paper and use that as their as their initial sort of this is what I'm into but you know I think the key is if it's enough to kickstart a conversation if you've got some chemistry that will take it the rest of the way now Jess I'm not much of a bookworm myself uh, tell me how do you even start a conversation about a book do you read passages to, to each other how does that even work <laughs> I have no idea definitely open up uh, a book and start reading a passage no I, look, I, I, I'm assuming that the people that decide to go to a literary speed dating event at the Wheeler Centre are vaguely bookish. They are the kind of people that at least occasionally open up a book. So I guess you kind of, because the way it's going to work, if if it's working the way it did last time, is uh, you'll get about five minutes with each person that you sit with, possibly Mm -hmm. even four. I don't want to put too much pressure on, but it might be four minutes. (laughs) So make it a short passage that you read to get started. A real short passage. Don't don't be opening up some kind of, uh, yeah. So war and peace is out then. (laughs) But what you would do is, I guess, kind of sit there and go, so I've bought this book, this is the reason. Hi, my name is Jess. I bought Fingersmith by Sarah Waters. (laughs) I have a stereotype on legs. And then they might say, well, you know, that's so weird. I bought Affinity by Sarah Waters. (laughs) Have you seen the BBC adaptation of Tipping the Velvet? And then there's your first date. (laughs) That's fantastic. I can totally see it playing out like that. It's total random association just progressing there, isn't it? (laughs) It is. And look, again, I saw couples last time that obviously they start by saying, oh, I really love this book. Oh, do you have an interest in music or blah, 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 blah. And 10 minutes later, when there was a break... They were snogging one another? Break ...where people can talk to each other. When there was a break, they didn't get up from the table. And I think that there's going to be a baby made. Now, probably not at this one, depending on how, how, how good a doctor you have or yeah, what true. connections you have with Medicare. Do you have doctors but, on hand? Yeah, exactly. I've already got an IVF specialist. Good. Go forward with this. We've had a really great first date. I don't think we're going to have to worry about babies being made immediately. Oh, I don't know. If you get a nice lesbian couple hooking up with a nice gay man couple (laughs) hooking up, they all talk. Instant family right there. Well, because the thing is, it's going to finish at 8.30, but this is the good thing about the Wheeler Centre, right? It knows that people like like books, but they also know that people like a drink. So there's a bar downstairs. Take the conversation downstairs. Maybe the four of you, two gay men, two lesbian ladies... (laughs) can just start discussing the kind of parenting arrangement that you particularly want. I don't know. Or just don't rush it and just talk about books and have a laugh. Uh, you've got me hooked now, the idea of a bar downstairs afterwards. That's, that's... You know what? You're not even going to go to the, date, the dating night, are you? You're just going to loiter in the downstairs bar waiting for the rejects to come down and make your attack. I yeah, it. wait for their um, emotional spirit to be sapped and then their easy game. Get them, get them vulnerable when they're feeling feeling too judged. That's when you get them. I, I respect that. Oh, that's great. <laughs> now, um, as I said, I'm not much of a, a book fan myself. If you're not a very literary person, you're going to kind of bum out on this one, aren't you? No, look, I, well, maybe. Can you bluff your way through you it? Um, look, 
Can you can you bring your mobile phone and sort of read out excerpts from blogs, or is that a bit too new age? Look, I think I think reading out excerpts from your blog might be a bit too much. Uh, maybe bring mention e-books that you like. Oh, yes. The thing is, you might mm. have to be a literary person to have read a book that you like. I mean, I, I'm assuming. I, I would think that everyone's got that one favourite. They go, I don't really read much, but I love to kill a mockingbird. And also, mm. don't think that it needs to be you know same-sex related fiction. It doesn't have to be at all, or, or not. Non-fiction. It can be something that you read that, that you just really love that has nothing to do with your sexuality because we aren't defined by that, really. We're def- but, but apparently what we're saying is you're not defined by your sexuality, but you are by your reading habits. <laughs> right. so I don't know what, what to advise you, actually. But look, if you like a book or you just think it's a conversation starter, you don't have to be the bookish nerd in the relationship. Let them have it. Fake your way through it. Read, read the synopsis. If you can't make it, fake it. And then bluff your way through the date. Or watch the movie and then take the book. How far can we stretch the parameters of literature here? Do comic books count? Well... Look, I'm going to say yes because I'm in charge. Great. And and also, I think, imagine if you sit down, I think you have to call them graphic novels if you want to make them highbrow, am I right? Oh, you wouldn't want to call them graphic novels for the boys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Well, I was just Oh, no, no, no. It'd be a bit pictorial. Well, I think when you get through the doors of the Wheeler Centre, just so you can get in, say, I've bought a graphic novel, but once you're in there sitting down with the boys, go for comic book all you like. And imagine if you sit down next to a dude and he's holding one. Amazing. Mm. Meant to be. How many people have you actually got signed up so far? Are you still looking for more numbers? Um, I don't have the numbers, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. It's The website is telling me that it's booked out, which makes oh, this wow. whole segment depressing, doesn't it? Because <laughs> you're probably sitting there holding a book at home thinking, this is the place for me. No. But what the Wheeler Centre do is they book it to a certain level and then I think on the day they will then open up the last few spaces because the people that pick up the last few spaces at one of these things are the ones that actually turn up. Yes. Because they're keen as mustard. It's true. So what you should do is go to the Wheeler Centre website, which I'm assuming is wheelercenter.com off the top of my head. Let's just no, say it That'll get you started. <laughs> yeah, go to wheelercenter.com. They'll have coming up the same-sex speed, speed dating night, literary speed dating, and, and book a ticket because I reckon on the day that it's happening, which is the 17th of July, next Wednesday, mm-hmm. they'll have opened up some more tickets. And that. And by the way, also, I met someone randomly at a wedding who's already signed up to go to this, a lady, and she was a stone-cold fox. <laughs> so don't, think, don't, don't go by whatever, you know, generalised opinion you have of book nerds because books are sexy, reading is sexy, and I can guarantee you at least a couple of hotties. Oh, yeah, I was wondering if there was sort of a dress code like must bring cardigan. No, no, not a must bring cardigan. I have to say, the last speed dating night, and maybe this not- is just because it was the only parameter was, you know, it's it's straight, but there was a, there was a really big mix between like 20 to 60. And so on your scale, you're probably looking at your own age group, probably about five, and then you had to see whether you had a, a certain attractiveness, I guess, to those five. But I feel like <laughs> the, um, the age group is going to be a little bit more similar in this one. I don't know. I'm, I'm still thinking probably late 20s to early 40s, but I could be completely wrong on that. And yeah. if you're not of that age, come along anyway. So you and may or may not... The scenario is that you make a mate. So you may or may not be across all of the details of the event is essentially what you're telling us, Jess. <laughs> what I have given them are my bank details and they'll pay me for hosting it. But no, I don't know any other information. No, of course I know information. There's, there's no dress code. Dress how you want to dress, but you want to impress. And uh, and anyone can come, but 
preferably someone that is not <laughs> is not family first because you won't have a great time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if you do miss out on this one, Jess, uh, are they likely to hold another one in the near future? Look, fingers crossed. That look, but this this one looks booked out, and mm-hmm. the last one was booked out, and that was the the straight one was booked out. Same sex is booked out. So I think at this rate, it would be very smart of them to keep the matchmaking going because it seems to be really uh, striking a nerve with people. All right, Jess Maguire, uh, thank you so much for bringing us up to date on all the things that are happening with this same sex speed dating event at the Wheeler Centre. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. News and current affairs from a bent perspective. This is Gay Newsweek on Joy 94.9. It's Jeffrey, Katie and Matt, and we're going to go into the National News Roundup in just a moment. But, Matt, we've got some messages. Yes, we certainly do. Uh, coming in on 0427 Joy 949, we were talking earlier about a new study that's found the spending habits of LGBT people. We've had one person say gay men are attracted to higher-paying jobs than les- more attracted to higher-paying jobs than lesbians. What a ridiculous comment. Katie? Yeah, look, probably fair call. Yeah. <laughs> I knew as I was saying, I think I qualified, but I didn't really have basis for saying that was a massive stereotype but I do think the point that men generally earn more than women remains valid and I'm sticking by that yep fair enough also another message any idea of the baby name for Kate and William do we care baby due in the next 48 hours wow no I can't believe that that didn't make it into our A block tonight given how (laughs) how hard we struggled to find content for that little bit of the show it might have been better if we had gone with that do you think (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be uh, better if we had a Nash uh, a, a, a royal correspondent Oh. Wouldn't that be good, yeah. Oh, I'd be up for that. I love the Royals. So the National Affairs Roundup, (laughs) are we there yet? Yeah, yeah, we're there. We're ready. We're there. Cindy Independent uh, MP Alex Greenwich has announced plans to introduce a bill into the Parliament of New South Wales to remove... um, the discrimination that has schools being able to expel gay students. Mm-hmm. This is a progressive measure. It, yep. Well, it is progressive and it's also incredibly important, the fact that you can still discriminate in private schools um, and actually expel LGBTI students is um, insane. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> I would have thought. I, I had no idea that this was in place. Alex Greenish pushing that, for, that bill forward. Moving on. And uh, the Christian Democrats have uh, taken aim at marriage and equal marriage. Well, yes, speaking of ridiculous comments, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the article with this information is full of them. Um, but carry on. It certainly is. I was attracted to this article because it had Fred Nile in bold and I thought <laughs> this is going to be gold for us. And, and Absolute so it was. gold. And uh, essentially their, their top election strategy is to support traditional marriage, which is to say oppose uh, same-sex or equal marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's their top election strategy. So... For this particular party, which is the Christian Democrats, it's not about the economy, it's not about the environment, it's not about taxation, it's about opposing equal marriage. Mm -hmm. Yep, and, you know, amazing quotes that they've provided there once again. Totally. Citing the Bible. Thank you for that. Absolutely wonderful. And last up... uh, No, no, sorry, one last bit in there. They also make the unsubstantiated comment that gay... Gay couples have an average of four additional partners per year and, interestingly, don't reference how they came to that information. (laughs) Absolutely wonderful. And last up, Matthew Mitchum's trunks have sold for $1,000, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, It's a fundraiser for Australian marriage equality. I would like them. Thanks. And it was incredible because someone paid $1,000 for them. For used trunks, although uh, (laughs) there were a few pictures that were worth seeing um, that uh, Matt was particularly... enamoured by. They were delicious. News, views, interviews and discussion all from a GLBTI point of view. This is Gay Newsweek on Joy 94.9.
It's time to take a look at some of the stories making news around the world. And joining us this evening is Andrew Potts from Gay Star News to bring us our International Affairs Roundup. Good evening, Andrew. Hey, guys. Now, Andrew, first off tonight in the Malaysian state of Penang, uh, the state government is trying to pr- uh, set up a committee to protect the welfare of transgender people, but the opposition seems to have warned that it will lead to um, gas. Um, more rights for LGBTs, something we certainly don't want. That's right. So a state government uh, lawmaker, his name's T. Yi Chiu, uh, he's proposed setting up a committee to protect the welfare of transgender people in mm. Penang State. Um, the opposition have warned it might lead to more rights for LGBT. Mm. Um, he's been pushing this issue since 2009 um, and uh, it seems to have gotten a fairly good response from the state's Women, Family and Community Development Committee Chairwoman uh, who said that uh, while the issue was confronting to Muslims, the committee would uh, address the issue. Um, unfortunately, the opposition leader of the Boris Nasional uh, Party. Uh, that's also the party that's in power nationally uh, in Malaysia. Um, they have a history of using gay issues as a bit of a political club. Mm. The opposition lead there was was arrested uh, over what many people think are trumped up homosexuality charges. Um, so the Datuk Jahara Hamid, she's the uh, leader of the Barisan National Coalition in the State Assembly. Uh, she warned that. Uh, the committee would be a slippery slope to more gay rights, uh, suggesting that it, such a committee might, the state might be supporting same-sex marriage as well. Such a public statement about not wanting so, uh, support for LGBT rights is, is pretty um, a pretty clear statement to make. What's the actual situation in Malaysia in terms of LGBT rights? Uh, so, um, homosexuality is illegal, um, but being transgender is not technically illegal, although transgender mm. people who are Muslims, they can be hauled before Sharia courts and Mm, interesting. And uh, the te- now over to Singapore and the team who are fighting uh, Singapore's sodomy law, um, the challenge of the uh, Singapore's 377A, um, have got a new legal team. That's right. So there's a Singaporean cu- uh, couple who've been together for 15 years. Uh, their na- names are Gar- uh, Gary Lim and Kenneth Chi. Uh-huh. Um, so they've been fighting this uh, challenge in the S- Singapore Supreme Court to try and get the country's uh, colonial era sodomy laws declared unconstitutional. Um, so they haven't had much luck so far, but they've just added a, a pretty star team to their legal defence. Uh, they've actually got a, a member of the House of Lords, uh, Peter Goldsmith QC, who's also a former uh, Attorney General of the United Kingdom. Oh, okay. Uh, and he's going to be working alongside senior counsel Deborah Barker, uh, who's who's a, a senior lawyer at a Singapore law firm. Um, and I'd, I'd say, with you know Singapore being a former British colony, having such a high-ranking uh, British lawyer get involved in the case would be quite influential. Is it still the case there that they would have appeal rights from Singapore or not to the Privy Council in London? Is Maybe that's part of their strategy, or am I misreading it? Um, I, I'm, unaware, I'm unaware around that. Um, I believe that there's, there's, there are further ch- um, levels of appeal that can be done in Singapore still. Um, but uh, luckily... Uh, for LGBTs in Singapore, the government has uh, said it will stop enforcing the law. And it's a bit of an, uh, an insult to people, really, that you would stop enforcing the law but still leave it in place, um, which leaves it open for a government who had a change of heart in the future to change that position. Yeah, that's right. And also uh, Lee Kuan Yew, who was the almost 
led Singapore for its entire independent history, um, he's he's come in, out in favour of removing the law completely. Um, so it's, it's it's quite sort of strange to see what's holding the lawmakers back there. Now, Andrew, from there we go to Arizona, and there's a, a town there called Bisbee, I think, that have approved a measure this week that legalises um, same-sex unions with a lesbian couple becoming the first to apply. Um, how does that work, that a town can legalise same-sex unions rather than, say, the state? So what it means is um, Bis- Bisbee is a former mining town that's become a bit of an arts hub in Arizona, and what they've done is they've, they've passed a, a, a town-level civil unions law. So these civil unions, they'll only be recognised uh, within the town limits. Um, the, the state itself has, has passed a ban on any form of recognition of same-sex marriage uh, and has said it's going to take the town to court. Um, but for locals in the town, uh, they, they feel it's, you know, they're doing a little little bit to change America. Um, and the, the couple... Uh, Kathy Snowden and Deborah Greer, uh, they became the first couple, couple to get um, civil union under the, the town law. They paid $76 for their certificate. Huh. Um, and, I, you know, it, for people in Arizona, I guess it may be nice to have at least somewhere where you can actually get your rec- uh, relationship recognised. So these relationships are only recognised in this town, nowhere else, is that right? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. There might be some jurisdictions that recognise civil unions performed elsewhere that they might be recognised. Um, I don't know quite know how that fits with the underneath the... Uh Defence of Marriage Act, but yeah, it's interesting that you do this within uh, a town within a state and it not be recognised more broadly than that, although it may actually be good for the economy and the well-being of the town itself, so there may be some very local uh, benefits that come from it on top of the benefits for the individuals involved. I'd say so, yes. Uh, in other news from the States, uh, the Girl Scouts have marched in San Francisco Pride Parade for the first time. This is, of course, after lots of stories coming out of the States about um, the Boy Scouts of America and announcing they will allow gay male scouts um, from 2014. That's right. Well, the Girl Scouts of uh, the United States of America, they're a much more progressive uh, organisation on those sorts of things. Yep. They've actually allowed uh, openly gay people to be involved in the organisation since 1991. Um, so that's well ahead of the Boy Scouts of America. Um, so reports say a contingent of around uh, 90 Girl Scouts uh, with their, their, their families uh, and, and parents marched in the parade. They marched in uniforms uh, with their merit badges on display. Uh-huh. Uh, one parent who took her, her child to the march said she wanted to be able to have her kids tell her grandkids that they've been a part of making history. No sign of the Boy Scouts at the Pride Parch? Uh, there, there have been, uh, not in this parade, but there, 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 there was a group of uh, Boy Scouts who actually uh, violated an organisational ban on marching in their uniforms at a Pride Parade in the States recently. So yeah, there, yeah. there are people in, in the Boy Scouts. And I recall them being taken to task over that. That's right, yeah. By the organisation, yeah. All right, and uh, last up this evening in the International Affairs <laughs> Roundup, what's going on in Japan? Well, it seems like a lot's going on in Japan, Andrew. Um, yeah, so the report's saying that the new uh, tre- trend among uh, Japanese teens is to kiss your same-sex friends. <laughs> uh, 
to, to give them a bit of a bash, uh, teens are saying that because uh, relations between boys and girls in schools are so uh, controlled and, and regulated, mm-hmm. um, they can get away with things uh, with people of the same sex that they can't with uh, people of the opposite sex, and so they're experimenting with each other. It sounds like a bit of a cute way out, really. I mean, <laughs> do you really think that uh, really straight, hetero boys and girls are going to want to be kissing their others, or or how does this work? Can I just can I just add to that comment, Jeffrey? The quote from one of them there, um, for, from one of the guys, um, because it's too friendly with girls, they do it with each other instead. Go, guys feel nice and soft enough. It's like, oh yeah. <laughs> That, I'm not convinced. I'm, I'm <laughs> it's not entirely, convinced. you know, straight is, guy. Just, yeah. you know. I'm, sh- I'm sure it's a very convenient thing for a lot of people to say. But, uh, <laughs> um. I would, have, I would have been happy with that back in high school, probably. <laughs> now, um, Japan isn't really foreign to the whole weird fads thing. Um, they've just come out of a, a weird fad already. That's right. So last month it was reported that Japanese teens were going through the, the midst of a conjunctivitis outbreak because of a new f- uh, f- fad, which is eyeball licking or worming. <laughs> so eyeball licking, just for Romantic anyone who missed that. Licking. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I don't even know what to say about eyeball licking Why as a fad. Why would you do that? Um, particularly out. when everyone's getting conjunctivitis. So you want to, what you want to know out of that is whether they had their infections in their eyes first or whether it was the infections in their mm. mouths that caused the eye infections. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> From a medical perspective. I yeah. think, I think I can, I'm going to call it on one of the weirdest notes that we've ever reached <laughs> on the International Affairs Roundup. I'm going to thank you, Andrew Potts, for bringing us the latest stories, including that one. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Anytime. Gay Week on Joy 94.9. Yes, it's been Jeffrey, Katie and Matt with you this evening. That is all for Gay News Week tonight, but before we get out of here, a big thank you to everyone who joined in the conversation, whether that be on SMS or on Twitter. And of course, a big thank you to our technical producer, Matt Nock. Absolutely. Also, a thank you to our tweeter, Shannon Gillies, um, to Gordon for taking all the calls on the front desk. And throughout the week, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at at Gay Newsweek Joy. And also you can listen to this wonderful broadcast again mm-hmm. through our podcast, joy.org.au forward slash Gay Newsweek. And you can listen to it another time <laughs> with the Encore presentation <laughs> Monday night to. to midnight. How many times do you want to listen to us? Oh, I know, a lot, a lot. <laughs> yes. But until next week we are... Katie Larson. Jeffrey Devine. And my name has been Matt Thompson. Has been. Uh, and this has been Gay Newsweek. <laughs> it always will be Gay Newsweek here on Joy 94.9. From Australia's biggest GLBTI broadcast media organisation. Gay Newsweek. On Joy 94.9. Joy 94.9. To find out more about Joy 94.9, check out joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast. Brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.